Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. Doug Berry here along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And we've got a great guest tonight who's going to hit this diabolical battle that we're all in the thick of from a different angle that I believe is going to help a lot of people. So stay with us. Really happy that you're here. And of course, everything we do, we need to begin with prayer. And I always turn this over to my good friend, Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. Everybody, welcome to the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. This is exactly where you need to be at this time in your life. If you've been praying for an answer, especially on something as serious as the topic we're addressing tonight, this may be one of the ways that God is trying to reach out to you. I say that because, you know, God works through ordinary means in a lot of ways. It's not some angelic injection that we get that all of a sudden changes everything for us. Sometimes it's just someone steps into our life or a podcast comes your way, or you hear something in a homily, a great preacher like Father Heilman, and boom, all of a sudden there's an answer to something. So God does work in ordinary ways. I'll never forget the time that a priest told me one time I'd travel halfway across the state of Nebraska to give a presentation. I had a terrible headache. I got out of the car, said hello to father. I said, father, I got a terrible headache. You got a special prayer or a blessing or a healing. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, hold on a second. He put his hand down like this. And he said, yeah, the Lord is speaking to me. He says, you need to take an aspirin. Nice. Right? So <laughs> God does work through ordinary means. And tonight we came think right from the Holy spirit. Exactly. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I think that's going to happen. Um, do want to thank everybody out there who supports this effort of the U.S. Grace Force. Your help is amazing, and we thank you so much for that. If anybody would like to support us financially, please click the link in the description for the Patreon team. Join the team if you like. Click that link in the description. Get more information. Pray about it. We don't want anybody doing this unless you really feel in your heart this is something that maybe the Holy Spirit's inspiring you to do to help us continue to get this effort, this work out to as many lives souls as possible. And again, tonight is one of those great, great topics that I think you're really going to appreciate. This is a Dr. Joe Lipensky that I just met not too long ago, but he has yeah. been very closely tied to, you know, Father, in some ways you could say he's been tied to the Grace Force, at least indirectly, because he's part of the team of several others, Jesse Romero, Dan Schneider, Father Chad Ripperger, who we have had on regularly, all three of them. <laughs> And now we find out that this is one of these quiet men behind the scenes engaging in the battle with the diabolical as a psychologist, helping to discern uh, what cases need to be advanced towards more serious uh, spiritual interventions, such as even a full-blown exorcism. And so we're going to talk to the, we're going to talk to Dr. Joe Lipensky about this tonight, but we're also going to address, and I like this title, How to Fight the Demon of Anxiety. There's probably not anybody out there listening, watching right now who doesn't know what it's like to go through those moments of anxiety. Yeah. And this is, I know Joe, uh, excuse me, forgive me, doctor, doctor, this is a very, very close uh, topic that you work with. You work with people. I know your website speaks about helping people with emotions, line things up, order things. And of course, you've got this great side of being, uh, bringing prayer into it as well for those who uh, obviously are open to this and, and such as we talked prior you talked about how you got to kind of feel out the case and see if the person is open to, to taking it to that level but um, just thanks for being with us tonight this is very very short notice and uh, when we met and talked on the phone and I said hey I think you'd be great for the podcast for the Grace Force I appreciate your willingness to jump on only within a couple of days of notice here so thank you very much yeah appreciate that yeah so, so we had uh, yeah go ahead just starting with, uh, you know, my involvement with uh, the Libra Cristo and that team and, and saying that they do have, uh, and Father's, Father Ritberger has mentioned about there's this four-phase protocol. And so part of that, you know, if they have uh, in that model, there, there's four different stages and they're really using a medical model based on research. And so that's really nice that they have the science and church and St. Thomas kind of going together to really, you know, say, hey, this stuff works. And Thomas Aquinas figured it out a thousand years ago. We're bringing it back. And so it's really nice. So it's kind of like saying, if Thomas Aquinas had been a psychologist, this is some of the stuff he would have been doing. And so it's really kind of nice to see that the stuff works and the stuff the church teaches works. And it's getting people caught back up and putting it into practice in their lives. So it's really fun. 
I'm so enamored with what you guys are doing. Oh, and I'm too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get, I want to get into this myself. So I'm going to explore that and maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, if people do want to get into this in any way that that's possible. Uh, and, and, uh, I was telling you before the show, doctor, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I've always yeah. had a, my first job, it would, it would give you a uh, indication of my, uh, interest in psychology. I was a bartender. So <laughs> that's really good. No, every movie I saw when I was growing up is the bartender's wiping the bar and he's listening to their problems, you know? And so yeah. that was my, that's why I, I said, well, I want to be that, I want to be that guy, you know? But yeah. I ended up getting a bachelor degree in psychology, but it's uh, over 30 years old and I haven't used it since then. So, so, yeah. but, but I, uh, I do love psychology and I do love the ways in which it does help people and, and helps them uh, work through the difficulties in their lives. Our topic tonight is about the demon anxiety and how to fight that. <laughs> I, I think, um, yes. I think uh, uh, of of so many people right now who are dealing with anxiety. Uh, with and I keep calling it. There's a this like this volcanic eruption of evil that's gone on, and and everybody's like a deer in headlights right now. And 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 if they're if they're not spiritually strong. Um, you know, they, they could get in the fetal position uh, with the amount of anxiety they're dealing with right now. Mm. So, uh, doctor, can you give us a little uh, insight, if you can, uh, about, you know, how they can deal with this anxiety in these uh, tumultuous times that we're facing right now? Well, for sure. And, you know, and just kind of like building on what you were saying about, you know, you go back through history and people you know, I've traced it back 4,000 years so far. And just the idea of people had that idea of like an angel on your shoulder, devil on your shoulder. And that goes back in literature all the way back, you know, 2,000 years before Jesus. And and just people have had that sense. And then St. Paul, the same thing of like, the stuff I want to do, I don't do. And the stuff that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And so even Paul in the New Testament is talking about how that is, you know, everybody's experience. And so what we're doing then is bringing that forward. And we have the technology now to measure like what part of your brain is doing which piece of this problem, which part of the struggle. And so based on, you know, the research that they're doing now, they're seeing that, you know, just like physically, if you get a cut or a scratch or an injury, your body repairs. And it's pretty natural to say like, I have this injury and I go through the treatments or just if I get a cut, it's something, it just heals on its own. Sometimes I need extra help. Sometimes it's just letting your body do its own work. The heal, the healing happens, the, the scratch goes away, the injury is repaired. And so your body is always doing that. It's always repairing. It's always, you know, trying to get back to a whole state. But your mind's trying to do the same thing. And so with that, you start out with, I'm, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling worried about something. And the way God made our mind is it's going from, here's this anxious place. I got to express this. I got to talk about it with some friends. I got to let them know, here's what I'm worried about. And what's supposed to happen is the people I'm telling get it. And they're like, oh yeah, that's right. That is what we're dealing with. That is a serious problem. And two things automatically happen. That stress reduces. And then I feel closer to the person that hurt it. They become safe. And so that's that first half of that emotional path is I'm expressing it and getting it understood. The second half is then here's the recharge that I want to do. I want to get myself back in that good place again. So it's really a, a kind of a, a four step or a four place path on that emotional healing. And I'm anxious. I want to get it out of me. And then I'm going to do some care to recharge and then I'm calm. And then that happens again over and over and over. And so with what we've been dealing with, with the pandemic, with uh, different political things that are happening, different, you know, stuff that's going on around the world. There's a lot of folks that are looking at, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And so you see people, they get watching the media, they're watching the news and their stress increases. And then they go talk about it with other people. But instead of saying, hey, that's good and we'll settle it down. It's like, now it gets added to. And now we're looking at, I've been talking about it and they're talking about it and we're all scared about it and now we're reacting. And so part of the thing we're talking about tonight with this how to fight this, this demon, this temptation is really to be able to say, okay, there's, there's these two places. It's a two-part process. So in, in kind of on a biology level, you have two parts in my brain that are reacting to everything. 
that first part is, you know, your amygdala, your limbic system. And that's saying that's that fight flight part of your brain. And so it's always looking for what's the worst case scenario? What's the danger? How are you going to hurt me? 24 hours a day, all it does is look for ways to protect you and the bad stuff that could happen. Now, if there isn't anything bad happening, it doesn't shut up. It changes direction. And then it's saying, oh, I'm bad. I shouldn't have said that. Mm. I overreacted, you know, so it's, it's really that place in my brain. It doesn't do love. It doesn't do care. It does watch out. Here's the danger. So separate from that, you have prefrontal cortex, which is saying, I'm loving. I'm helpful. I'm smart. I care. I want to be doing the right thing. And so you have those two different places, your amygdala and your prefrontal cortex that are both turned on all the time. They're both reacting. The hassle is that amygdala is physically faster. And so it's my first response all the time. Mm. So in a practical example, say if I'm um, making something, say I'm cooking some food and my wife comes up and says, what are you making? That amygdala part of my brain is like, you just got attacked. You're going to put up with that around here? It's fast, not accurate. Right. Now, the other part of my brain is saying like, well, you know, we're married. We've been together a long time. We've got kids together. Yeah. She's loving. I'm loving. That's just an information question. Sure. So the hassle is I have two reactions. The first one is she's attacking me. And when I was first married, I wasn't a therapist. I went with that one. <laughs> and we'd fight about, okay, which one, you know, like, what are you attacking me for? I'm not attacking you. You know, just that kind of marriage fight that goes on. Very common misunderstanding. And so then shifting to, no, you're loving and you're caring. That's an information question. Now, on a biology level, I have this brain chemistry wave that goes over my head. So if you come up and ask me a question I didn't expect, there's a, a reaction inside there's physically a 60 second wave of stress chemistry that goes over my brain. It's just biology and my reaction. Separate from that, I have this place that's calm that says, I'm loving, I'm helpful. Of course I care and I can handle this. So if we go back to that cooking an analogy is saying like, I'm cooking. She asks, what are you making that for? I have this reaction. Oh my gosh, you're attacking me. I have to then shift in my own head to say, no, that's an information question. Well, the back of my own brain is saying, uh, -uh that was an attack. You're going to put up with that around here. <laughs> and just, I, it's physically a 60 second way. And so if I hold on to that was an information question while the back of my brain is like, no, you were attacked and it passes. Mm -hmm. And then I can say, well, Hey, I'm making this because if I take lunch, it saves us 10 bucks a day. We can put it towards the holidays. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Oh, that's a great idea. And we don't fight. The hassle is she'll ask a second question. And then what are you putting in that container for? It's just like and the back of my brain keeps score. Mm. You've been attacked twice in the same conversation. You're going to put up with that? <laughs> well, the front of my brain says, well, we didn't fight over that last topic. The back of my brain doesn't care, doesn't register that. It's like, oh, my gosh, you've been attacked twice. It's just another 60-second way. And so if I hold on to that's another information question, I settle down. And I say, well, I'm putting it in these containers because when I was buying the ingredients, I didn't see them. And so I got more. And then she'll reach over and grab some out of the cupboard and say, well, we had some. And then <laughs> it's like, okay. But it's just, it's that fast reaction. There's physically, there's a brain chemistry wave that follows it. And that's what we're dealing with is like, we've been soaking in stress for over a year and a half. Yeah. And so just that, that wave is just happening day after day after day, and it's just getting deeper and deeper. And so folks now have shifted from thinking clearly to reacting. And that's where that, the demon kicks in is because it's like, well, that's our own biology that we're fighting. But in the spiritual world, the demon is putting suggestions into your amygdala to kind of turn that volume up to get you to fight more. And then the prayer and the inspiration is talking to your front brain to give you the stuff to wash off the stress. And so you've got two different places physically inside you that are reacting on a biology level. Then you have your emotions tied to two different places and they have different paths. One's trying to protect you. One's trying to be loving. And then on top of that, you have the spiritual level of being tempted or attacked or oppressed and you're getting these inspirations to kind of break free of it. So that's kind of the map that, you know, it, it's helpful to start with that saying like, here's what's going on on these three different layers inside people. 
Dr. Joe, I, if I can jump in on this, I, I, that's, that's a fascinating, and I know this is some of the stuff that you explained to me when we talked a couple of days ago. Um, in fact, you know, I want to let the audience know that we've been working on this documentary, Doomed to Repeat It, and uh, Dr. Joe Lepesky here has agreed. It's going to be, be awesome. Thanks, Father. Yeah. I, well, you're going to be, be you're, awesome. you're going to be in a two, Father. So I mean, but Dr. Joe, that's gonna why be it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is going to be. That's what we've been saying. It's going to be incredible. You guys wait for this. Well, Go yeah, ahead, Doug, sorry. we're well, that's all right. No, we're trying. I appreciate that. We're trying to get at this 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 fear issue that drives people, an entire society, an entire world. In fact, as we record this right now, we've got another another layer of fear that's being thrown at us with this Decepticon transformer that has now attacked the earth called <laughs> Omicron. And so it just sounds like a Decepticon transformer to me name, but we've got this constant fear that's been thrown at us um, and it continues. And, you know, we believe there's a, a bigger reason behind all that great reset and all this stuff, you know, we've talked about before, but on this subject here for the show tonight and in the future, we'll be talking more about doomed to repeat it as it's getting closer to come out. You laid this out to me a couple of nights ago, and I'm thinking after 31 years of marriage, you described very well, you know, some, especially the early years, you know, where exactly what you're saying, the amygdala's response, you say, is faster than the frontal cortex actually processing and thinking about these things. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. really good, accurate. And, and, so the, and so the demons know... I mean, it, it's as if, and, and you, you tell me if I'm off on this, you two, of course, are, I mean, Dr. Joe, you've been trained more in, in, in this field of working with Father uh, Ripperker and so forth, and Father Heilman, you've been a priest for over 30 years. I'm getting that because the demons have some understanding of our physical makeup, they've been allowed to, they know where to start going after the weak spots. They know to get after emotion and really use emotion against us. They know to get after the fear and really use that. And if they can tell, hey, this part of the brain functions differently than this part, and this part really really fires them up to some sort of immediate reaction, this fight or flight thing, yeah, mm -hmm. let's get in there. Let's get in there and wreck them there, you know, and, and yeah. just let that become a major distraction. And then we'll wreck the emotion that goes with it and not let the brain even think about this stuff. Uh, is that a fair estimate that the demons would do that, that they would look at this and they would say, we see this, we know how this operates. Therefore that's where we're going to target because it can be used then as a weak link in, in effect in the process, the way you described it. Well, yeah, that's, that's what's happening. And just the idea of that, you know, in society, they're saying like, Hey, you want to feel good. You want to be calm. You want to be happy. And in, you know, Thomas Aquinas, they're talking about, well, no, you need your emotion and your intellect or your your intellect and your will on primary and then your emotion and memory under that and then your desires and drives are kind of like at the bottom of the tree and so what society is pushing for is let's have the emotions up front let's be happy here let's make heaven here get rid of suffering and that's a big problem is a lot of people are looking at well i said these prayers and I'm still getting bothered. I said these prayers and I'm still anxious. And so that's, you know, then folks say, well, see, the prayer doesn't work. And that's another temptation to get you to quit, to say, hey, you do this, stop. I'm sorry, forgive me, doctor. I want to cut in on something because before you get in more of the prayer stuff, which is just, this is going to be fascinating help for people. I really believe it. But this point, just back up just a second. When you say, and I, I read this for years, and it was an enormous help to me reading the spiritual masters talk about this order of things, that emotions and desires and physical desires and so forth have their place and they're good because God gave them if they're ordered properly to God's glory. But they need to be on the lower rung of the ladder compared to you know intellectually, rationally thinking, hey, you know what? Um, no, this is what's right. I need to do this regardless of my own personal desires. For example, I like to say, Sunday morning, I don't want to go to mass because I'm tired. I didn't get much sleep. My kids kept me awake. Maybe I got little babies. Maybe I got work, whatever. Uh, or for whatever reason, I, sleep is not a bad thing in and of itself. I want to sleep. But my rational side, my thinking side says, no, you need to get up and go to church because it's an obligation. Therefore, I've got to make myself do something that my desires don't want to do necessarily initially. And then on top of that, of course, is the spiritual, which is the most important that has to drive everything above everything else. So I, I hope that's an accurate way of putting it. Um, and so if that is, and you talk about the desires and the emotions and that, hey, this is good. This is fun. This is a pleasure thing. Let's get after this now. Um, 
if those should be lower on the rung, but they're driven more, especially in our world today, do you see, could you speak at all to how social media, for example, has affected that? Because when you described that, the first thing that came to my mind was Instagram or or, or, you know, my life is wonderful. Look at my picture. Hey, I'm smiling all the time. Hey, this is my lunch. Look at my lunch right now. Isn't this a beautiful lunch? Hey, I'm going over here and climbing these mountains. And on this vacation, my life is exciting and fun. And now I want to be like an Instagram or YouTube influencer because they've told me that this feels good and it's exciting. And these desires are great. And this, these are things I need to focus on. But spiritually and rationally, they might not be the good things that might not be the right goal. So even things that aren't in themselves bad are being manipulated and twisted. And do you see that as a part of a problem and, and leading people to more anxiety and unhappiness because the Instagram and YouTube influencing world has said, this is your joy and excitement. And it really isn't where the deeper joy and excitement is. What are your thoughts? Well, that's true. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really an important point that saying, if I try to get like, I know I've had clients that have kind of been in relationship difficulties and they're like, they're broke, but they're going in front of fancy restaurants and taking their picture like, oh, I'm having dinner here where they were just in the parking lot, but they make it look on social media like they're going to these expensive places, they're having these good times and their life's chaos. They aren't really living that, but they, you know, they get dressed up and go sit in front of a sign. And so that's, you know, part of that, I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. And they actually did research you know, back in the, in the 90s, they were looking at, hey, are you, you know, somebody who's loving, who's helpful, who's kind, and, you know, you really care about people? And everybody said, yeah, the majority of folks, yeah, that's me. Okay, that's a good example of that front part of my brain. And then they said, hey, are you getting controlled? Are you in a relationship where you're getting controlled? You're getting criticized. You're the one that's now getting not cared about or, you know, people, you, you're really not good enough. And the majority of people said, yeah, that's me. Don't tell anybody. And that's that back part of my brain, that amygdala. And so it's two different places. And I can answer, if you hook me up to a polygraph, I'll pass both questions because it's talking to two different places. So as a parent, you can say, well, I'm loving all the time. And I'm training my children to grow up and be healthy adults. And so when I'm mad at them, it's like, I'm loving all the time, but I'm mad at you. Go clean your room get in there and do that. I'm in training mode separate from when I'm loving. And so sometimes with kids, you have to sort that out and tell both jobs so they know. But back to your point about the social media, it's like folks have gotten caught up in that. And it's really counter to what the church has been teaching, where the church is saying like, okay, this prayer, almsgiving and fasting is really about self-discipline. And on a biology level, it's shifting you to front brain. It's getting you to be in the place where you can say, I can focus on this even if it's hard because that prefrontal cortex is the kind that says I can get through college. I can work at this hard job because then I'll get my bonus or I will do this hard task because the reward will be worth it. The back of my brain is saying like, do it later. This isn't helping. That's so hard. Oh my gosh, you need a break. You know, and it, it's the procrastinator part that says like, do something else instead. It avoids effort. And so one of the things we're looking at is I'm using this slow part of my brain to train the fast part of my brain, settle down, mm -hmm. it'll be okay. Yeah. And so it's about self-discipline, but it's like stuff that was, you know, taken for granted a couple hundred years ago. Now it's like, we're having to teach people to say, you know, you have this prayer in a structure, you know, six noon and six, get you on a prayer routine, get you on a structure that monastic life had a purpose and those prayer routines had a purpose to develop self-discipline, to get so, you focused on the goal instead of like, oh, here in this moment, this is so hard. And the hassle is the back of my brain. The temptation is the demons pushing me towards depression, towards suicide. It's a dead end. That's where it goes. It's going to have you so protected that you're isolated and shut down. And then the temptation to kill yourself is like, well, that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. That'll stop the pain. Yeah. And so that's why I want to step away from that. Mm. Doctor, I, uh, I was picking up one word you said, their life is chaos, the word chaos. Yeah. And I, I think of, uh, then I think of the word disorder, you know, your life is out of order and you're in chaos. And, um, you know, obviously with being a priest, I do a lot of pseudo -psych psychology uh, with uh, counseling people with spiritual direction. And, and the way I frame it is, 
And it's a lot of what you're saying too is, listen, um, the devil's always at your doorstep. He's right outside that door. And uh, he wants to get a toe in, then maybe a foot, a leg. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's eating popcorn on the couch of your soul. If, mm -hmm. if you let him in. And sometimes what I, what I tell people too is I said, it doesn't take a Harvard degree to figure this out. Don't let him in. You know, stop it. You know, just, <laughs> just, just uh, don't, don't accept what he's saying. He's lying to you. He's in your ear. He's telling you something that's not true. And, and so get, and, and so using your terms, uh, you try to, you try to get him back into frontal uh, vortex mode and uh, uh, frontal lobe mode. And, and, uh, and, it, but in the spiritual realm, it's true. You, you're getting them into the, living that higher life, uh, that, that, that life in God, in that divine life where, you know, you live in truth and beauty and goodness. You, you, you live in that. And, and what comes from that becomes order. Well, I always mm -hmm. say one of my favorite lines in the, the, the canon of the mass is order our days in your peace. Mm. It comes just before the consecration. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's in the, in the canon. You notice it sometimes. But order our days. I usually slow down right there. Order our days in your peace. Don't we want peace? And and that comes with right order. And so you know when you're listening to these lies, okay, from the amygdala, amygdala um, you know, a part of your brain. Stop it. You know, uh, don't accept the lies. What do you think about what I'm telling people there, doctor? Well, and that's. I mean, that's kind of the basic steps of it is like first part i have to realize is that there's two different places inside me physically right that i have a place to go away from that temptation because a lot of folks get you know hooked into arguing and just like well i'm not going to do that and then just like you know like i was talking to a guy today he's like i got to resist the urge to go get beer on the way home and then sit and play video games and drink beer and be depressed and have a fight with my wife right and so we're looking at he says well i know not to do it that's my front brain that says don't do it. But the back of the brain's like, I've got this, you know, it's desperation. I've got to have some. I can't go away from that. So it's, right. it's really control. Yeah. And so you're looking at that I have a place to go separate from the temptation, that the temptation is going to go in a wave, no matter how bad it feels, that wave is going to pass and you're going to come out of it. So it's even like if you're, you're in the amygdala, amygdala uh, authority over your life. You know, right. that, that, uh, there's nothing I can do because, right. uh, you know, I have to have that, that beer and play those video games and fight with my wife. You know, I, I can, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And so what you're trying to do with that, I need to shift, but I got to engage in something that has an equal volume and that's, and then hang out there because then that temptation will pass that desperation I've, that I have to have this. Or if it's like, you know, talk to folks that are, you know, verge, on the verge of losing their jobs because of different political statements or the vaccine or not vaccine or that kind of stuff. And, and so they're just, they're really struggling with, I want to be good. I want to be helpful. I don't want to make people sick. I don't want to hurt people, but I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to get controlled. And so it's, it's complicated. There's a lot going on. So just saying, don't do it is really basic and simple. And then folks will say, okay, now what? And okay, I said, don't do, now what? And so that's where really, you know, sorting it out that there's two places inside me is to give you the control back to say, okay, I, I know that first reaction is like, do this, react this way, go do this. Then I got to look at how else can I see it? And then like, if we go back to that cooking example saying like, like one part is I'm getting attacked. The other part is that is an information question. So I need that place away from that demon of anxiety to engage. What can I use to engage in that part of the discussion? Because the temptation is a wave. It's going to pass. It doesn't last forever, but it'll shift topics and start another wave. And that's, I guess, another danger the social media gets into that, that Doug was talking about is that you know, I can be upset about this first topic and I'll calm down, but then another topic comes up and I've got another wave of temptation and anxiety and that oppression that the demon's putting out for me to, to battle against. So it's really, you know, sorting it out and then building access to that calmer place that 
whether it's with prayer life or other things, other people, and how do I turn the volume up on that part of me to have a place to go? Because if I just fight the demon, it'll wear me down. Now, and, and doctor, I know you'd mentioned earlier, uh, use the word discipline in there. Discipline, of course, in a prayer life is, is critical. Uh, discipline in those moments when, you know, a wife says to a husband or a husband to a wife, hey, what are you doing that for? And instead of immediately thinking, oh, it's an attack, there has to be a discipline in the reaction. Um, you tell me what you think of this quote I, I, or this, this statement. I, I've heard this from even military, from soldiers who've been in combat, is that inspiration or motivation has its place. But inspiration, motivation is like an emotion. It's going to come and go, as you've described. It's kind of, you, these waves are going to pass. But discipline is what gets you through the battle. So inspiration has its place, but discipline gets you through the battle. And this is something that we talk about with the Battle Ready Coalition training is we try to encourage people to be disciplined, body, mind, and soul, so that they're disciplined even in some sort of physical activity, some sort of exercise or, or something on a you know daily basis or at least several days a week to be doing something physically in a disciplined way. I even have an accountability with four other guys that every day, six days a week at least, everybody is supposed to be doing so many push-ups, so many sit-ups, and so many just basic air squats, just something to get the body moving. And some of us do much more than that, lifting weights or something else, but that's a very basic, um, minimal uh, min approach that we do, we take, and then we're supposed to text it to each other. Basically, we're all on this group text. And not everybody's doing it. Um, I do. I just want everybody to know I get mine in six days a week. Okay. No pat on the back there. Okay. But I'm the one that gave, came up with the idea. I figure I better stick to it if I come up with the idea. Right. But the reason I say this is it's to try to help them and help me be accountable to one another in a disciplined way on this one little thing to help them in other areas of our, of my life. Spiritually speaking, am I getting my daily rosary prayed? Am I doing my auxilium Christianorum prayers? Am I fasting a little bit? Am I reading some scripture? Am I getting to the sacraments regularly? Am I getting to confession every couple of weeks or every month? These types of disciplines that work, work physically and spiritually, and then ultimately, well, psychologically, mentally as well. Does that make sense? Is that a, is that a good way of putting it, that these disciplines in other areas will help us when it comes to being attacked in this area of the amygdala and the battle between that and, and the, the frontal brain to actually think through things? Well, and the, the good news is we have research to back that up. And that's part of how we built this four-phase protocol is that first phase is like the 30-day prayer prescription. So it's a media fast. Mm. It's like, turn off the computer, turn off the social media, get away from the screens for 30 days. That takes away a layer of influence and it helps you settle down. It has a purpose. And then would that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but would that include even getting away from the U.S. Grace Force? Because that doesn't make any sense to me that we would do that. No, no sense at all. Man, we're going to let you use screens for work. But yeah, even the Grace Force is going to be missed for a month. Uh, okay. They go back and watch the old episodes then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The good news is it's still there. We can catch right. up. Right. So the idea is that you're doing that discipline, whether it's physical exercise, you're getting away from screens, you're getting a prayer life established mm -hmm. on a schedule. And so they're jumping into like a monastic prayer style. So you're, you're praying, you know, first thing in the morning, middle of the day and the end of the day. So what you're doing is demons don't like prayer. And they're going to be firing up your amygdala to say, don't do that. This isn't helpful. Do it later. You can say 20 prayers this evening, you know, it's okay to take a break. And the idea is you put it off and then they stay. But the more you're lining your life up with the sacraments, with grace, with the, with the scriptures, the less they want to be there. And so a lot of times we have people coming in. And so just a quick run through the statistics. We're saying like we have 6,000 cases a year and we put them on the prayer prescription and that gets rid of like two thirds of them kind of liberate just having the prayer prescription and the, and the workout spiritually and then they go through the second phase which is then getting them back in the sacraments um getting the mass getting the confession getting back in line with the church life and some catechesis about spiritual life and that gets rid of another big chunk of them so then we go from six thousand down to a couple hundred just by the time they come see me in step three and, when and you're so it's step I'm sorry, when you're talking about the cases, so the audience understands, this is when you're working with Libra Cristo, 
or situations like this where there's a there's a, a potential diabolical problem going on here or there are some indications of that and you have to analyze evaluate estimate assess and so forth um, and every other word I can come up with right now that basically means take a look at it and determine whether or not it's authentic. That's what you're talking about, is it not? And then from there, this prescription to help really, really thin this out and make sure that that you you know what's going on. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, that's accurate. And the purpose behind that is to say the church sacraments, the scriptures, the ministry actually does what it is saying it does. And so it's literally true. And so as people start practicing it and bringing that back into their life, the demons leave. They don't want to be there. And so that's what we're finding in, in the, the six years that I've been involved in doing the research with them, that, that the prayers work saying the prayers, the daily rosary, like you talked about, having, you know, getting to regular confession, getting to mass, you know, frequently, that's really powerful. The demons hate it. So they'll try to come up with excuses about, oh, I didn't like this. Or, you know, people sometimes get physically sick when they go into the church building, you know, just like the demons are pushing your body and your thoughts and your emotions, trying to get you to leave, trying to get you to stop praying. And it's a, you feel it physically and emotionally in your body. So that's, one of the things we're doing is strengthening your will to say, I'm doing this, even if it's hard and it takes time. And part of the problems that we see is a lot of people say, well, I said the prayers and I'm still getting bothered. I said the prayers and this is still happening. It doesn't work. I want a different exorcist or I want a different team or, you know, they'll find somebody, you know, like a, a, a celebrity to get them to come say some prayers. And it's just we let them go because it's like we can't work harder than they work. Just like no matter how much I work out, Doug doesn't get in better shape. <laughs> it's just kind of you have to do your own work. And so yeah. that that having that prayer life is so powerful to battle that anxiety, to battle that demon, to say like, I'm focused on this, but I can't be in the prayer arguing with the demon about, oh my gosh, this is terrible and the world's going apart and those comments are coming and it's going to be terrible. I've got to be I'm here because God's asking me to, bat, to step into this fight. He's wanting me to stand up and be an example for my family. And so what, can, what would you use in yourself to help you hold on to that? I'm doing this because my goal is heaven. And that's what we see in the early church in the, in the scriptures, in the early church writings, is like they weren't afraid of death. They weren't afraid of being arrested or their businesses taken or fed to the lions because they're like, well, I'm going to heaven. And if I go because a lion eats me or if I go because, you know, I die of old age, and that's where St. Paul was saying, I can help now and that's a good thing, or I go to heaven and that's a good thing to be with God or to be here and do another day of good. And that's where that mentality comes from. It's a lot of spiritual discipline. And the good news is it works. And we got thousands of years of history showing that it works. Yeah, you know, I, I was teaching just this weekend because we're starting a fresh new liturgical year. It's our Catholic New Year. And I said, it's a perfect time for us to, you know, reinvest ourselves into uh, what I call building up your mortification muscle. Mm. And uh, what I meant by, you know, I, I told him, I says, mortification, what does it mean? Morte, death, death to yourself, death to your own wants mm. and desires. And, but th that does lead us to that uh, disordered, chaotic life because we're no longer then uh, in God's good order. We're no, no longer in God's presence. Uh, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. And the, the devil said, Hey, you'll be your own, your own gods and you can make up your own right and wrong. <laughs> you can decide for yourself what's good and evil. And, uh, and that's, I think what people get caught up into and, uh, and, and they get away from God. So the prescription that you're saying is you're, you're saying plug back in, get reconnected, you know, get in. It's like the prodigal son came home and he's in the house now. Uh, you, you, and, and that's the place where, where peace comes from. Uh, a piece that's beyond all understanding. I, I love the uh, quote. Uh, I use it all the time. Uh, we maintain the peace to our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. In fact, I have a paravututum pax on uh, everything with the grace force, which is Latin for peace through strength. And that, that's what you guys, I'm, I'm listening to you guys, and that's what I'm hearing you say it, is that get strong, get disciplined. You know, uh, deny yourself, you know, morte. Deny yourself and, 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 and be free now. Uh, to 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 uh, to take care of the needs of others, not me, but you, and uh, it, the goodness, the, the frontal lobe thing uh, it, it, that 
that makes that now has the priority in our lives instead of being ruled, uh, you know, uh, conquered uh, by the uh, amygdala in, in the in the back of our brain, or in other words, the devil on our shoulder, right? Doc? Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. And so, so you have that, like the angel and the devil is two different places. And just like you have the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, it's like there's two different places inside you. That prefrontal cortex is calm. And that's where you get the inspirations and God's talking right. to you or, you know, that inspiration. And that amygdala is like, I'm already worried. I'm, and it's just, what's the worst case scenario? What's the bad thing that's going to happen? And it's, right. it's all or nothing. It's life or death. Right. It'll always be this bad. It's never going to end. And that's where you hear people talking that way. It's just like they're yeah. in that and they're flooded and sitting in this stress. It's gradually built over the months. And it didn't take long for folks to start having like panic attacks and breakdowns because they're isolated. They're, you know, seeing all this stress in the news and the media, maybe in their family members, the disagreements about what they should do and how they should do it. And so then, because they're sitting in that, when I'm powerless, it's like a magnet to steel. I want to go solve it and I'm going to engage. I'm going to try to figure it out. And the more powerless I am, the more I'm drawn in to fight, to try to figure it out and analyze it. And that's when I'm hooked because it's like, I'm powerless. Would it, be, would it be safe to, to throw this in there as well, uh, you know, um, that the amygdala in and of itself is not bad? I mean, I know you've established that. It's, it's given to us by God. So some people might be thinking, well, what's the purpose or point of having the amygdala gland? You know, why would God put that? But you talk about it as a fight or flight type of thing where, where it's an immediate sort of like, like a... Like a uh, danger, know, Will Robinson. It, yeah. Danger, it's a, danger. It's a danger, danger. Boost, boom. Yeah. Got to do something. Got to move fast. Um, that if it's trained properly, it can be used appropriately in those cases, fight or flight. Is that correct then, doctor? Yeah, that's what we're looking at is that it's, it's there for a purpose. The hassle, I mean, if you could think of it as, you know, you're watching a movie or you're watching a football game and that's the main show. And then a commercial comes on and people are like, hey, I got time. I got a couple of minutes. I can get up and go take a break, get a snack, you know, come back and sit down. What society has done is shifted it around to say, it's like, now I'm watching the commercial, like, oh my gosh, I've got to go get that. I've got to do that. If I don't get that, boy, my life's going to be terrible. And then when the show comes on, they're like, okay, now I'll go take a break. And so it's like society has flipped it around where we're reacting to that protective message as if it's life and death. And that's the only language it speaks is life and death. But if I can say the rest of me knows, well, that's the commercial. Mm. Or an example I'd like to give here, you know, here in, um, you know, in places where it snows, you can say, you know, if you drive around town, there's these signs on the bridge that say, watch for ice on bridge. Well, that sign is on the bridge 365 days a year. How come you don't stop for ice in July? Mm -hmm. Why don't you stop in August? The signs there saying, watch out. But the amygdala is like that sign. It's always saying, watch out, watch out. Life and death is happening. The front of your brain is saying, well, let's look at the rest of the picture. It's 90 degrees out. There isn't any snow within 100 miles of here. I got no reason to slow down. So the big yeah. picture says I can ignore that warning and drive across the bridge. We're in the wintertime. It's like that little thing on my, on my mirror on my truck is like ice, 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 you know, and it's like I'm seeing the shiny on the pavement and, hey, there's the weather forecast saying snow. Now, the big picture is saying it could be icy out here. And the back of my brain says ice on the bridge. I'm going to give some more space between me and the car ahead of me. And so it's that big picture perspective right. that tells you whether to listen to the warning or not. Got it. So the big like the ice on the road, the ice on the bridge sign just needs to be understood under the terms and circumstances at any given moment that, that you're feeling that or sensing that. Um, now, when you talk about earlier, you mentioned that about the demons, you know, really playing up on this spiritually, really using this against us. Um, and, and, you know, Father, you and I have talked so much off camera, on camera over the years about, about different things. And I know you, you had said something recently to me about, um, you know, uh, that there's this, this, this um, desire inside. How do I word this? I'm going to get this right. Uh, you and I were just talking recently about this. Um, uh, why, people, why people walk away, and you had, you had referred to this earlier, doctor, about prayer's not working, therefore I'm out. I'm gone. Father, you had said something earlier recently to me about, about what effort, what it means to put effort into love. 
that mm -hmm. love has to do with effort. Um, how do we tie these two together? I, I, I'm, I'm saying the prayers, they're not working. God must not be there. And then Father, you would said, but God doesn't work the way we think right. he works. And to me, that's one of the greatest relativist mindset attitudes is God's not, not, not real because I've determined what I will accept as evidence of God. And what I'm seeing is not, is not fit in that description. Right. So it's become more about me. It's become more about me than about putting effort and love into really trying to find the, this, uh, the truth of this here. I, I'm kind of all over the board a little bit, I guess, with this, but can you both speak to that? Because I think that's a big problem for people. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm not getting an answer. I'm gone. I'm done. God must not be real. Yet we celebrate a St. Monica, not because she cured diseases or worked great treaties to bring peace to the world, but because she, she fought like crazy and prayed like crazy for her husband and her son, and it worked. And I mean, God responded. There's something powerful about, about the effort, I think, Father, that you had spoken to me about, that love mm -hmm. means effort. And mm -hmm. Doctor, what you've said about people just abandoning quickly when things don't work their way. And I say this because I know there are people in our audience right now who have got to be thinking, yeah, this sounds great, but the anxiety is too much. I can't get into that disciplined prayer life. I can't make the discipline changes to organize my house, clean out one kitchen drawer at a time, one cupboard at a time to bring order and peace in a disciplined way. The natural side, the spiritual side, it's too much. I'm out. But there's that love part. I mean, can you both speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's a really key thing for a lot of people is I just, I just don't have the endurance to do it. And I don't understand that effort is really what that love has a lot to do with the effort that comes from the heart and the action. Well, I, I've been focusing more on God, the father these days. I know we've had uh, decades now of, you know, Jesus, is our friend, he's our brother and Jesus is amazing. He's part of the Holy Trinity, but I, I've been purposely uh, focusing on the father's uh, child relationship uh, because of the lack of discipline that it's gotten into all, all of us in this, in these times. I mean, we got a lot of luxury in our lap and uh, that doesn't help, but in, you know, the, the pull of internet or, you know, it could go on and on, but, um, but what happens is, is that then we're easy pickings for the devil because we're not, we don't have that strong faith. Okay. That, 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 that is strong in its principles and its values, its morals, its ethics. It's not, it's, it's become weakened. And then what happens is, is that uh, our relationship with God becomes the classical spoiled child, you know, with, with the father where, you know, we're going to just throw a temper tantrum. You got to get, I always tell this story. I, I hope it's long enough since I told it because viewers have heard it before. But when I was a little kid, I was in the laundry room with my mom. She had stacks of clothes, you know, there's seven kids, whatever. And, uh, and I was doing whatever naughty temper tantrum stuff. And she started going, you know, I do your laundry, I cook your food, you know, look at you. Know, and she was trying to put it all in perspective, you know, that, listen, I, I do all this for you. And I looked up to her and I, with a scowl, I went, you have to do that. I, I think she tanned my bottom after that. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but, but, but do you see, we do that with God, you know, with it. We just, we just do our own thing. We don't bother with the effort that goes into a, a relationship. Okay. We just expect him to do it because you have to do that because you're a God. And so I'll throw up this uh, quick three second prayer. And if you don't answer it, you don't exist. Um, and, and it doesn't work that way because God is drawing out God. The father is a perfect dad. And he's drawing out of us the need to put in effort in anything we do, especially in our love relationships. And so a lot of times he'll, he'll, he'll withhold if we're just, uh, you know, uh, ab abusing the relationship and, and being that spoiled child and saying, you have to do that. Am I, am I on track there, doctor? Well, yeah, that really, that really fits. And, and working on these different exorcism teams or consulting on other teams and really seeing that that's one of the first things you'll learn being on the team is that you do the prayers and it's a grind and it's God's time, not your time. And society is so much like the computer's not fast enough. It's not loading fast enough. I don't have this, you know, give me that fast food. Give me this right now. Right. And if I have to wait even a few seconds, I start to get upset. 
Yep. And like you said, that kind of the modern version of the tantrum is like my electronics aren't fast enough or I don't have enough, right. you know, where I can just turn this off and walk away. And and shows are like, hey, we do it 30 minutes and we solve the problems in 30 minutes with commercial breaks. You know, it's just yeah, everything's it, it, resolved like, right away. It's yeah. like we've all forgotten what dial up Internet used to be. You know, yeah. that sound, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> You're you know? old, Doug. Oh yeah, I, well, I think you're both older than I am, but <laughs> and you know, doctor, you mentioned that about the TV shows. It's funny because you watch a 22-minute sitcom, you know, and and you know, and I'm talking about the decent ones that are out there or used to be out there, and it's a family scenario, and there's a family problem, and the father walks in and says to the kid, "Okay, I know you got upset, but your mom really meant this and this and this." You know, and within 15 seconds, the kid's saying, yeah, dad, you're right. I'm sorry. And then they go out and they apologize to mom. And within 22 minutes or whatever the show is, the, you know, the problem is presented. The mom or dad intervene. The kid apologizes and everything's done. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. How about like 22 years? It seems like with some cases where you're dealing with kids. I haven't had that problem. My kids, thank God. But you know that we have those situations like that. So I think you're right, doctor, on that. I mean, I, I would attest to that too, just what I've seen over the years in evangelization work that, you know, as things have gotten faster, we want it right away. And if we don't get it right away, I mean, that spinning wheel of discernment or death, whatever you want to call it on your computer screen sometimes, <laughs> it goes on for 10, 15, 20 seconds. We get upset. I, I, can't, I can't believe it's taking so long. You know, I'm downloading yeah. something. Why wouldn't it, well, it's buffering. It's taking too long to buffer. This is driving me crazy. I'm going to throw this computer out the window. You know, it's, you know, we're forgetting yeah. this stuff. Um, so, okay. So before we run out of time, doctor, we want, we've got just about 10 or so minutes left. I want to get into, can you help us with, you know, really some, some kind of prescription sort of steps. You've already addressed a few things, but can you lay it out very succinctly for the audience? What steps do we need to take naturally and spiritually to help deal and fight, deal with and fight this demon of anxiety? What's the protocol? Yeah. What's the protocol? So the, that first part would be, let's see if we can get just sorting out that I have two reactions. I have both the devil side and the angel side. I have the good reaction is there. It shows up later. It shows up second. When I've calmed down, that comes through. Start looking for that second response that calmer reaction or other interpretation so that would be just to give yourself that control back and then the choice i don't have to get in this fight i can do this more thoughtful reasonable response so that on a practical level and then you sort it out by how it feels or the kind of words you're using if it's like all or nothing life or death always never kind of language that's your amygdala talking yeah. just to label that and say what else do i know about this and even what if you could start with i'm loving because that's easy to go to i'm loving when my spouse might not be you know <laughs> might be having a bad day yeah would it be safe to say that the amygdala is the one and i'm just loosely throwing this out that in an argument when you're debating or discussing with your spouse in a disagreement you always this or you never exactly. this that sounds yeah. like more of a life and death moment you're never going to you always this and really practically that's that's probably not the case there could right. be in some cases where they're always that way but in general it just seems like that's an emotional response that's immediate and out of a fight or flight type of feel is that you think that's accurate well that is accurate the hassle is that it passes to the other person and now things calm down and you're like, oh, that's what you really mean. Now you're speaking the truth. You know, that's the real you. That was that all or nothing kind of guy, which is the opposite. You know, it's like, no, that was a reaction that passed. The loving real me is the one that's always around. That's between those episodes. Okay. I always use the expression these days. Uh, you you want to win the, uh, you don't want to, you want to win the soul, not win the argument. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes the amygdala, uh, gets up and I, and I want to win. I want, I want to be right. Oh, yeah. I want you to be wrong. And, and so you get in that fight mode and, mm -hmm. uh, and we've got, we've got to be careful and, 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 and realize that, okay, you know, there's, there's, there, this is a learning period right now because we're both not understanding each other and let, let's grow in that. And, you know, so you get in that kind of mode where you can reason with each other and do it in a charitable way and, and try to, uh, you know, w win them over, you know, but, uh, I think a lot of times, and especially, I, I think we're being trained, don't you, doctor, right now mm -hmm. to, 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 to use the amygdala all the time? I mean, kind of oh, like yeah. knee jerk, the, the yeah. fear and the anger and the hatred and the, exactly. you know, the inciting of terrorism and all this stuff. 
It's just, it's, there, well, it's there, almost like, it's almost like, a, they, I feel like they got in a big boardroom and planned this out, but I don't think they did, but, <laughs> but boy, oh boy, it's, it's, it's severe right now. Right. And they're, and they're using that kind of worst case thinking. And then they add guilt on top of that saying like, well, you're bad because you're doing it this way. And then aren't you even, you don't even care. Somebody else is going to die because of what you're doing. And so it's like, they're, they're hitting you with fear and guilt. Going grandma. Yeah. And so right. anger filling up. So the, the spiritual side, yeah, an insurrectionist and a white supremacist and everything. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, and that's just, it's, and it's building and folks are soaking in it. And so it's like, you know, if we could kind of, yeah you know, internationally shut off social media for three months, that would make a lot of difference and heal in the world, but I don't have that power. So, yeah. um, but the spiritual part then is, is really kind of picking up. I need to engage. I mean, basic thing, like with a daily rosary or some kind of a daily prayer practice and have it structured where I'm doing it. Now, if you're more of a visual person, get some religious art. And have when you're doing the present the, the prayers and the meditations, be looking at a religious art, religious nice. pictures. And part of what that's about is because what you look at, the demon has to look at. And if you've nice. got a demon that's on you, that's pushing you to temptation and that kind of stuff. And if you're looking at religious art, they hate that, especially pictures related to Jesus' passion. Nice. So religious art's really powerful. The prayer is powerful. If you have, you know, using your imagination, uh, Francis de Sales, you know, the started spiritual direction really is chapters on using your imagination, picturing yourself there in front of God or in heaven in this setting. And just the key is going to be details because the back of my brain is fast, not accurate. The front of my brain takes time. And to get time in that front brain mode, I need details. So the details, like if I'm sitting, picturing myself in the scripture reading, I'm on the boat, the storm's coming up, Jesus is there, the disciples are there. Which way is the wind blowing from? Is the rain hitting me or the sail? Which side of me is Jesus on? Which apostles are around me? What are we wearing? You know, the physical details. What do you see, touch, hear, smell, or taste? Turn the volume up in that front brain. Yeah, the hassle know, is yeah. details about what you're worried about turns the fear up, gives the devil more volume. And, so and you right want away, bullet right, points on... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say right away, I'm thinking of... Why, that's why you don't gut out churches, these beautiful churches yeah. and the, the, the reverent masses and the incense, you know, that, that's like the religious art thing that you're talking about, that it, right. it, it focuses you on mm -hmm. what you're there for. And, and you know, and if you got a conference center and a, and a band up front, um, you know, what, 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 what's helping you in that, in that, to get into, to get in that frontal lobe mode. Is that, is right. that about right? Well, so it is. And that's why using your imagination. So details, what do you see, touch, hear, smell, or taste? But you need to be careful because you have two brain pathways looking at it and the kind of that two sides of that spiritual world looking at it. So I need time and details in stuff that's calming and loving and bullet points on my fears. And it's more just to be able to sort it out to give me some control back right. so then I can engage in the fight. And it's really just getting into that calm place and holding on that wave of temptation will pass. That attack will pass. That oppression will pass. So even when we've had folks when they're having manifestations, whether it's in the church or at home or in the sessions, it passes. It doesn't go on forever. So it's just a matter of time before, you know, like Father Ritberger says, the demons tire out. And so being able to hold on to the good, the loving stuff about God, about, hey, there's the finish line. I'm going to heaven. I'm doing this, and I'm offering this, suffering this effort for the release of a family member or a problem, and then it has value. But that's a spiritual discipline you got to grow into. It doesn't just happen. So when you on, on that point, when you, when you talk about looking at sacred art, images, and so forth, I, I love the way you worded that because it, it just it really helps people, I think, the details of the truth of these things, the fact that we've got this amygdala gland that is there for a reason, but when it gets out of hand, gets control, gets dominant, and the demons can play off of that, we get ourselves in trouble. We need to use the front brain, need to be taking a deep breath. Maybe it's like the count to 10 method, which gives you a mm -hmm. few seconds to let the front brain catch up to the, 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 the threat fear part. Um, so that being said, though, knowing this truth, 
clearly helps us get in a better position, I think, when we get into conversations with others or when things are hitting us from the news or the world or what have you. But the part about demons, they have to then look at the sacred art that we're looking at. Does it then make sense that the demons would not want any sacred art in the home? No crucifix, no scapular around your neck, no rosaries, no Bible. Get those things out of the way because if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. They don't want to have to see it either. So mm -hmm. don't hang it on the wall. Does that make sense then, doctor? Yes. Yeah, that's that's really true. And it's and it could even be diagnostic. It even say, like, if there's some religious art that I'm okay with and some that really bothers me, then you'd be asking, what is it about that picture that you're reacting to? Because it's right. something's going on there for you. Wow. Okay. So in general, as a protocol, we need to get disciplined. We need to be disciplined in prayer. Um, I'd like to throw in a little push for everybody getting a little bit of exercise in there. I think that's good mm -hmm. for the body. You know, body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's maintain the temple. But the discipline part is critical. The prayer life, I know you mentioned 6, 12, and 6. And that, of course, traditionally has always been the time for the Angelus. Is that, that's what you meant right. by that, right? Yes. Yeah. So we get the discipline prayer life. Make sure we're sticking to it. Make sure that we're understanding the physical dynamics of who we are. We've got the frontal brain. We've got the amygdala. We've got to, we've got to put these things in the right perspective. And we've got to make the decision that we're not going to let the fear part dominate. And I would say this. A lot of people, I think, especially when it comes to things like exercise, I hear this a lot. Well, I pray, but I just don't have it in me to exercise. And I say, don't wait for some angelic injection as if God's going to send the angel down to inject something in your blood. And all of a sudden you're going to be up and exercising and animated as if you don't have control over it. God is doing it for you. I think it goes back to what you said, Father, about love requires effort, that there has to be an effort to show that we, we mean it. There, but doesn't God then put it on us that we have to be the ones to put the emphasis, excuse me, the effort into whether it's exercise or prayer or ordering our home or cleaning up our lives, getting in the car, driving to church, walking in to go to confession. We can't just wait to be transported there by the angels. We have to put the effort into these things. Isn't that in general what a lot of this is about, that I have to simply decide I'm going to do this and then do it. Is that is that on on is that on point there, doctor? Well, and it's really you just you're spot on to say like being good is effort at first, and as you develop habits and get in shape, it gets easier. Mm. Where the temptation it starts easy, and it gets harder and harder to get out of. So it's kind of like you know two direction slope here, where easy sliding down into those temptations. Oh sure, I'll just have another beer or watch that porn or you know, sleep in and not go to mass. It starts easy. And it's a foot in the door. And then they're walking you farther, farther down into, you know, than they have you. And then it's like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. And God won't love me. And he can't forgive me. And possibly, you know, they, then they, that stuff starts to make sense. But being yeah. good, wherever you start from, it's effort. And the hardest part is at first getting started. And then as you get started, it gets gradually easier. And you grow and you develop, you know, and there's a lot of stuff written about that. Mm. All right. Doctor, this has been awesome. Our time is up. Yeah, um, great. I, I just want to throw one uh, recommendation into everybody because I'm listening to you guys and I'm thinking there's, there's this uh, little film clip called Midnight Watch. Look, go to YouTube and look up Midnight Watch. But it's, uh, it's guys getting up at midnight and it's freezing cold and they have to chip the ice off of their windshield and they end up in an adoration chapel. Hmm. And you're just sitting there going, these guys are strong. And there's no worries about these guys, you know, and they're going to live in God's divine life. And, and, uh, and, and it flashes back, too, to their families in bed, you know, nice and warm while they're at the Adoration Chapel. So, yeah. But I think that's a lot of what we've been talking about tonight is that, you know, let's strive to be strong and, and, uh, and let's uh, let God rule our lives, not the devil. Yeah, All right. Awesome. All right. Let's end yeah. with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Doctor. Thanks, Doctor. Thanks.